Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast. This is Hunter Pulaski alongside Brad Burkaw. We are brought to you by Reed Furniture. Whatever your furniture need, it is Reed indeed. In this week's episode, the American Express is in the books. Nick Dunlop, first amateur since 1991 to win a PGA Tour event. We will break that down, uh, that historic day down. We have Rory McIlroy back in the winner's circle in Dubai. Lydia Cole, Lydia Cole winning the uh, inaugural LPGA event of the year. We break down Tiger Woods potentially signing a clothing deal with TaylorMade. I almost just said Nike once again, almost did that in the preview, doing it again now. We will talk about that, uh, the logo, uh, what that means for Tiger Woods' legacy if he signs with TaylorMade. Uh, we have a transgender golfer, Haley Davidson, who won a women's event this year who got her one step closer to the Epson tour. We're going to very carefully talk about that as well as the farmer's insurance open. That is a uh, two course rotation, 18 holes on the North course, the rest on the South course. We talk about that. And then finally we have some changes to the handicap system, which I think will actually are all three of them look like they're really good changes. So I'm excited to talk about that. And then uh, if we have time, I have, a, I have a surprise golf trip that came up next weekend. Uh, we will talk about uh, the courses I'm playing. I'm looking, really looking forward to that. But first, Brad, Nick Dunlop wins a PGA Tour event at the ripe age of 20 years old. What were you doing when you were a sophomore in college? Mm, nothing that generates as much cash as what he, he <laughs> could have made had he not been an amateur. Yeah, Uh that is always that I, I always love doing that with these younger guys. And now that we're just old, I feel like it's very easy to do it just about everybody that is any anybody that's younger than us. But like, what were you doing at twenty uh, on like a Saturday night? <laughs> oh God, nothing. I was good. going to I was going to Sticky Ricky's probably. <laughs> Str. Yep, straight to Rick's baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, second second youngest. Do you happen to know who the youngest is? To to win on tour since oh it's your boy world since world war ii your boy jordan spieth yeah it's mr spieth it's actually very funny because they showed a picture of him they like i saw a picture on twitter of them side by side you know like a graphic of their age and it's it like jordan it was like i don't know 10 you know 10 whatever years over 10 years ago now and uh or no, less than 10 years, but whatever. It doesn't matter. But his clothes are like super baggy, like super long pants, just like white Under Armour belt. I was just like, <laughs> brought me back to high school. I was like, man, just not not it. I can't tell you how happy I am that, that white belts have left. Those, <laughs> because they were here. They were here for what felt like was going to be ever. And they, thank God. <laughs> they, they with the uh with the big like logo like almost like a like a country belt yeah you know the, the under armor logo so yeah hilarious looking at him side by side but yeah nick i mean this dude's a real deal he's got a swing on him and he seems just like uh pretty down to earth dude i love him busting out the pressure is a is a privilege quote like i i, I kind of like the guy yeah he seems he seems very cut out for this like, he didn't it didn't seem his interview, it seems like this is just like kind of another like walk in the park for him. Like lucky, lucky him. But he did not seem, he did say in his, his post-round interview how nervous he was and like most nervous he's ever been, which totally makes sense. But he certainly didn't look like it. The only time that he looked like he was a little nervous was, was maybe an 18T when he 
blasted a mile right. And then I, I, I have to assume, and I don't want to dive, but on 18, they mentioned on the broadcast, no leaderboards anywhere between 17 and 18 green. So to, he probably had no idea that, um, Christian Bazoyahout made a birdie. So he probably just was expecting to have to beat Sam Burns, which at the at the time probably felt like it was pretty doable, given the fact that he was Sam Burns was just puking all over himself coming down the stretch. Uh, so to get up, and then I think there is there is a scoreboard right there on eighteen green. So he definitely knew at that point. So to put yourself, you have a bunch of green to work with, but you're going down the hill towards the water, and probably wasn't that tight of a lie, but it probably felt pretty tight at that point. It was a downhill slope. So, I mean, just nails to get that up and down. And then that putt on 16 he made right after Sam Burns made birdie to make birdie on top of him, crazy. I was like, I was blown away. And then even more so, he made a double on seven. Sam Burns make a, makes a birdie and his three-shot lead just goes papoof and somehow manages to, I would say a lot of that might have been Sam Burns, <laughs> but you gotta, you still got to give him his credit where the credit is due how impressive yeah. that was. Absolutely. I mean, the guy, yeah, I, I, I heard him say something along the lines of like, he like, he couldn't feel his legs. He couldn't feel his arms. You know, he's explaining his, his emotions in the moment. And it's like, we all as amateur golfers or just people try to imagine or think that we know what that feels like. But I, I just don't know if I've ever been put in a situation that could make me feel that much pressure, especially at his age. So that just makes it so much work. I mean, the dude's probably not even done growing yet. Like he could potentially still be growing. He's, he's still so young. Yeah. So that, that's like, actually a really good point. It, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I wish, I almost wish that he would have somehow slipped. This is random, but do you remember the Sean white interview from when he won the Olympics and he was, they were like, he was like six, like 18 or something at the time underage. And like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going out for drinks, baby. Yeah. Or something. Do you remember that? I almost wish that he would have had one of those uh, those moments. That's I mean, really, I was thinking about that because he said he made some homework comment, but like, I don't think it's like I don't think it would be like the the best look to go get drunk when you're 20. But like, if you said like, oh, I'm gonna go have a few like drinks with my family, I wouldn't like I wouldn't it wouldn't phase me at all. Like, I wouldn't care. He's 20 years old. Right. It just it for whatever reason it just made me think of the Sean White thing, which was one of the funniest interviews of all time. But and anyway, then, uh, just to quickly round out the top, we'll do the we'll do top six. Uh, obviously, Nick won. Uh, Bezzy finished second, but really got first place money, which is rarely, obviously, uh, has not happened since 1991, where this is where the amateurs does not get paid, which we will get into in a second. Uh, Xander Shoffley finished in a T third alongside uh, Kevin Yu and Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, maybe a little comeback. Uh, top fives in his last four straight starts, back to number twenty three in the world. Uh, so far, so good for for our boy, for my boy, Justin Thomas. Uh, Michael Kim, T second alongside uh, Adam Hadwin. Sam Burns slipped all the way to T six, and then we'll just do T ninth. Keith Mitchell and Ben Griffin both finished in T ninth, and they to finish. In the top 10 on a PGA Tour event, you got to go shoot uh, 24 under par over four rounds. You got to go, you have to shoot uh, 66, 68, 64, 66 if you want to sniff the top 10, which is crazy. My, minus 13, I think, was the, the cut was, yeah, cut was minus 13. That's really high. 
or low, however you want to look at it. That's um, yeah. Keith Mitchell shot ten under on in on Sunday. Ten under. <laughs> so that's uh, like what that's what I used to do on video games. <laughs> it was. I mean that the the course looked just like you could eat it up. It, mm-hmm. it just there was not much there to to say you couldn't. Uh, what are your do we do we think this? Do we like how how outdated? Golf, golf does just not like to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, is totally okay doing its own thing. Uh, wants nothing to do with this nil money and paying amateurs. Are we in an outdated system, or is this? Are you okay with this? I mean, this guy is going to make a lot of money when it's all yeah, said. Yeah, I think it's different in that. What other sport can like like you're not going to see a dude that plays for Duke also go and play for the Pistons in the same season. So it's kind of weird in that sense. So it makes it, it needs its own system. I don't know what that looks like, but I mean, Dun, Dunlop's going back and doing homework and going to practice and stuff. So like he's still in college, but it, I I don't know. It's, I don't know how that works. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean, if you're Dunlop, you probably just like leave college. Right. But I mean, if he wants to stay in school, then that's his, his own prerogative, but. Yeah, I, I saw um, a timeline that made a, a little bit of sense for him. It was, I think, it was June first is when he when he would um, commit to turning pro. He would miss the players, but then that would still give him a chance to to finish out this year with his team, which I feel like he probably will lean towards that. Just, I mean, that's. I mean, I don't think I don't think the team would like think any other like, think bad of him in any way if he if he were to decide to leave, but only missed a couple of signature events and then I feel like I imagine those guys just love college golf like the team the team aspect is you only have a few years of that and then it's you're kind of on your own so I would I would imagine he stays for at least a few more months through the at least maybe through June or into the beginning of June maybe. yeah yeah so I don't know it's that's a, a tricky it's also something that hasn't happened in 30 something years but it's uh, obviously there's been plenty of amateurs who have made cuts and would have made money. It's just, it's just a matter that this guy actually won and would have made a lot of money. Yeah. I, and I, I, I'm, I'm torn between it. I, I, that was the most invested like the, that I've been in a January round of golf, maybe ever. Like that was, that was very fun to watch. And like, not once obviously where you, was I thinking about the the money aspect or like how much money he was going to make. I was just, it was just cool to, to watch him do what he did. And I do think, oh, yeah. I do think at the end of the day, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's a lot of money, but it wasn't California. Like he's not like he's taking home like a ton of money. It's not, it's a lot, but he's probably getting cut by like half almost, maybe a little more than half. And then, so he'll make that back at some point. I do in a way like how I like amateur status. I think that's like a cool like differentiator that we have from other sports. But like the more you say that, I wonder, I feel like baseball might be like that. Because you get drafted in like high school or out, out of high school and then they might go play college sports and then they're like, I feel like you don't play for your baseball team for a while after you get drafted. But I might yeah, I think they just draft your rights though, right? Like they don't pay you any money. They just have true. the right to sign you. Mm, okay. Yeah, uh, so I don't, I don't know though. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a baseball expert, but I believe... That like because you always see like trading the rights to yeah yeah that's a very good point. Uh, 
also worth mentioning, uh, only Nick Dunlop, only guy since Tiger Woods to win both the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Junior Amateur. Uh, not not terrible company to be in there. Um, Willie Z. Willie Z played well this week. Top 25. Uh, so I think any any news is good news. And I think a top 25 for Willie Z based off where he started for the beginning of the year is awesome. I mean, that <clears throat> especially at a course that has been quoted as being a putting contest, that definitely bodes well for for Willie's the end the rest of the season, yeah, which is nice to see. For sure. Yeah, I <clears throat> my, my we'll have to go ahead. I was just gonna say we we'll have to keep our eye on Willie moving forward. But I did have one uh, question on Dunlap. I wanted to ask you real quick before we move on. How aggressively do you think Liv pursues him? Oh, extremely. Extre- I think they're gonna go after him hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So he, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you saw Phil Mickelson tweeted at him. Uh, well, I, John Rahm tweeted at him. I think of him as more of easy pickings for for them because A, he doesn't have experience on the PGA Tour. B, he hasn't had any earnings. So they could probably throw him a lower number and it would still look like an amazing number. Obviously, he knows what other players have made, but I don't know. Just a random thought, but yeah, I, I think I think Liv will go after him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the thought process has to be that that this live, this live and PGA Tour stuff will maybe be taken care of within the year, so he has exemptions into all of the, all of the events right now, <clears throat> all the major events right now. I think if he if he goes if he turns pro, he loses out on the PGA Championship maybe. Um, so something to keep in mind. But yeah, it's a little little nervous about that. A little nervous about that because it does feel it does feel like they're just kind of in a, like a little hunting spree right now, and there's not the PJ Tour is doing quite literally nothing about it, <laughs> yep. which is which is a little concerning. I know that like, you can't just like start getting into like a an arms race with money with these guys, but I'd like them to stand up and do something. Where's Jay Monahan at? What's he up to? He's on the beach, Florida. <laughs> yeah, would not surprise me. All right, that's that's probably all I have for American Express. Uh, historic week, very. I mean, that was that's exactly what January golf needs. Stories like that. I think it's a. I think it's a point to be made of. You don't get those stories in a, de- a designated event or on the live, like a, a hundred hundred and whatever person field, hundred fifty six person field. The Nick Dunlops don't exist in the sixty or forty two person field. That's for sure. Uh, moving on to. We've I missed we missed the last couple of weeks with uh, a little bit of DP World Tour action. Uh, Rory blew the lead last week. Duck hooked it into the water on 18. Uh, he was he avenged his loss last week with a win. This week he was down 10 after the first two rounds. Ended up winning by one over uh, Adrian Moronk and by two over Cameron Young. Uh, Cameron Young struggled a little bit on Sunday, shooting plus one or plus two rather. So it kind of Blew it, and I don't know if you saw, Brad, did you see Cameron Young slam his putter against the ground on the green? Uh, no, I missed that. Exile. Exile him. I don't know what you do with him. You stone him to death for all I... It was it was hard to watch. Oh, I'm looking it up now. He, uh, he missed what maybe was maybe was a five or six footer and just slammed his putter against the ground, brought up some turf right on the nice green. Probably, uh, as I'm saying this out loud, cer- certainly was the last group going through, but still. Shameful. Shameful. Absolutely. Uh, so that is Rory. Rory is like very quietly, just with all the nonsense going on, and his his 
I wouldn't say his talking points, almost being more live and PJ Tour related than his actual golf, but he's been on a little bit of a tear. He's won three out of his last five Rolex Series events, which is DP World Tour's version of the signature events, and he's now that's his fourth Hero Dubai Desert Classic win. So he is quite good at golf. And then uh, moving on, Lydia Ko wins her 20th LPGA Tour event in her at the age of 26. She just won the LPGA Hilton Grand Vacation Tournament of Champions. Uh, Alexa Pano finished second. Brooke Henderson finished third. Cheyenne Knight finished T4th alongside Ayaka Fior and Allie Ewing. Uh, Alexa Pano, uh, name probably not, maybe not super familiar with, but she was on like this Netflix junior golf show, what, which must have been seven or eight years ago now. And it's kind of cool to see her name actually on the LPG because she was just dominating these little junior tournament events that Netflix did a series on. So, uh, and she's American. So congratulations to Lydia. Uh, she's one, one victory away from, um, Hall of Fame status on the LPJ Tour. They do it by a point system. So one more win, and she uh, she meets that threshold to qualify for the uh, for the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Lydia. All right, Brad, what are your thoughts? This is we're gonna we we might have differing opinions here. You're a TaylorMade guy. I I have I have uh, been on record saying I might not be the biggest TaylorMade guy. What are your thoughts on on Tiger Woods signing with TaylorMade? Potentially, I don't think this is not this is not officially been broken by the man himself, but there has there have been um, trademark uh, trademarks found for this for a new logo from TaylorMade and whatnot. So it seems like it is it is in the works. Yeah, so I guess I'll go on record and say I lo- I've always liked TaylorMade woods and irons. I don't like their wedges or putters. I didn't even know they made clothes. I do not own one thing of tailor-made clothing. Uh, I guess it makes sense because he uses their clubs now, but and the, I guess maybe they maybe I don't know that they make clothing because maybe they really didn't in the past. I honestly have no idea. Maybe this is their way of trying to dive into clothing. Um, yeah, the the present the projected logo I saw I did not like for whatever reason i feel like in my head my go-to is like taylor made t and m tiger woods t and w w and m is literally just the same letter flipped over like is there nothing you could have done going that way but i don't know i mean we said it it wasn't last week two weeks ago but i've never been inclined to buy tiger clothing i don't know why it's usually just been the quality of the clothing so i guess i would be curious to see what their quality was, but if it's just like the Nike stuff, then I will not be purchasing. Yeah, I think I'm in the I'm in the exact same boat. I almost wonder. So it looks like they actually do have. I'm looking at TaylorMadeGolf.com. They have they have a uh, long sleeve shirt and two short sleeve shirts. And so they must be. It must be new. No, nah, it might be old. It almost be like it like got discontinued. They're, it's too. Oh, the. Well, the pullover or the pullover long sleeve is a is a zero restriction um, partnership, and then the looks like the shirts are a B a B dratty partnership. I don't know what that means. So it's still not even out of their own shop. It almost is. It almost feels like it's just uh, 
it's going to be more like that, like an umbrella sort of thing where this is, you're under the tailor-made name, but this is a, like very much a Tiger Woods brand. Because I, I think it doesn't feel, and maybe I'm just completely missing the mark. They had, there was TW stuff, but I feel like they, they maybe Nike missed the mark a little bit as much. They didn't do as much of it as I think they probably could have. I feel like that maybe they had TW pants that I might have had a pair of, and then that TW shirt I mentioned that I had. But I can't think of much else besides like hats and stuff. So I almost, I won't, I don't even know if like TaylorMade will be associated. Maybe they won't even be on the, like the TaylorMade logo might not even be on the shirt. But yeah. I don't, but the, but the logo is, is atrocious. It is very, very ugly. I love Tiger Woods, but what are we doing? What are we doing? You know what it kind of oddly, uh, reminded me of for whatever reason is, um, the Greg Norman shark logo. <laughs> it does, which, doesn't it? Which is, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I was actually, my first thought was the Slossinger logo. Slossinger? That's a name I haven't heard in forever. It's just, oh it's God. like a backward Slossinger. How how do you, I can't even remember how to spell. I know what you're talking uh, Sla- about. Slossinger, I guess would probably be the. Slossinger. Yeah, Slozenger. Oh my god, <laughs> I had a uh, something from them. Oh yeah, they like, made they made very cost effective clothing that was that was certainly at like the golf galaxies of the world, um, alongside probably the Greg Norman stuff. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I have not heard that name in a minute. So that's that is the logo that I first. Oh, it does look exactly. It's just like the same. It's a cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. So, um, which. No offense to the great company of Sloshinger. I I don't necessarily put them in the highest regards when it comes to clothing. Um, so any any affiliation connection between Sloshinger and the new Tiger Woods brand could be taken as a a, da- a bad thing. They're gonna be firing off a cease and desist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I we'll we'll see what happens. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep our fingers crossed that maybe some things change. But I. <laughs> I can't believe it's tailor made. I cannot believe it's tailor made. That just does that seem so far away from where I was thinking it was going. Um, whatever, whatever. The only the only thing that makes sense is if it's literally. Have you seen the movie um, Air, the Nike movie Air? Uh, I have seen parts of it. I believe the literally the only thing that would make sense is if it was the same situation. Nike going to Michael Jordan and saying, "We will give you the keys to the castle." Yeah, I mean. It, they're probably giving them full autonomy over whatever. Feels like they they better be. Feels like they better be. All right, let's uh let's move on to uh to a, a sensitive topic that has been making its way um, through the golf world over the last couple of days. We had uh, transgen- transgender golfer Haley Davidson won the uh, won a or won the NXXT Women's Classic, which is an event that propels her into the Epson tour, which is the, the <clears throat> developmental tour for the LPGA. And there has been some controversy surrounding this. Um, she was born a male and now identifies as a, a female, uh, which has been happening in sports over the last couple of years. Are you okay with, with this? Um, 
So I'll choose my words carefully, and I think I'll start it off by just like fully admitting I am by no means educated enough or smart enough to have any sort of expert opinion. Everything that I say should be taken as personal thought. Um, I think it's hard, right? Like I, for me, golf, I've always thought of golf as being a sport that's been kind of exclusive in the thought that it's been generally for like wealthy people. It's been, there's barriers to enter to be able to play golf. So by creating more barriers to enter, that's hard. But at the same time, there's just like no way around. And, and Haley's even admitted or said herself that men have an admit physical advantage in golf. So I don't know. I think maybe I'll just leave it as that. And I, and just kind of say those like leave those words there because like I said I I don't have the answers and I'm not someone who is well versed enough in the LGBTQ space to really give much more than that I'd say that was a very politically correct answer I appreciate that yeah all right I will uh I'll, I'll echo echo similar words I think it's it's just a it's a very uh sensitive subject that probably needs to be looked at uh, to see what the best the best course of action is. Um, it does sound like she is being asked to like submit um, testosterone level test to kind of determine if, if she is where and if that if that's the case and, and she is uh, in a similar spot. I think golf is one of the is one of the sports where um, I think there is a. a I don't think there's a fairly obvious physical advantage that men have that I feel like it's, that's not like a necessarily a surprise, but I think golf is one of the few sports where, um, if you can transition properly, like I feel, I feel like you, it is doable to play. It's not like it's, it's that physically where your physical, um, presence is that dominating on a golf course when it's really said and done. So we'll, I just, we gotta wait and see. We gotta wait and see. No, I think that's a really good point to make, though, and something to probably stress is that of any other sport, maybe golf is one that physicality, yes, it matters, but you still have to be able to hit the ball straight. You still have to be able to putt. You still have to be able to have touch with your short game. Like there's a lot of aspects of golf that are not physical, like like physicality is not the most important factor into being successful at those areas. Yeah. And I I think it's also worth mentioning. She's not by any means dominating this sport. I mean, she, she just won for the first time in three years on a, on a low level LP or low level women's tour event. Like it's not, and she's still a long ways away from, from being on the LPG tour. I think if she, if she was winning by several shots, every event, uh, maybe some, some different questions need to be asked, but for now we're just going to wait and see. Yep, that's the best way to say. Wait and see. No need to overreact. Yep. All right, let's move on. Uh, Farmers Insurance Open Week, 156-player field. This is uh, for the third time in the last three years. This is a Wednesday through Saturday event to make room for the Big Bad NFL on Sunday. Uh, we play uh, first 36 holes. You play 18 holes on the north course, 18 holes on the south course. The south course last year scoring average was 7362 where the uh, the North scoring average can range anywhere from two shots to four shots easier than the South course any given year. 
Uh, South course plays 7,700 yards, par 72. North course plays 7,200 yards, par 72. Uh, really very drastically different. Uh, South course, very narrow, uh, very small greens, very undulated greens. Both of them are POA greens, so towards the end of the day, they do get very bumpy, which we'll talk about in a second with some three-putt three uh, percentages, things like that. And then uh, the north course is fairly open, um, fairly flat greens as well, bigger greens. And the rough is about four to four and a half inches across the property. Uh, that's rye, rye grass overseed for the rough. Uh, mentioned it previously, but uh, a couple of things to keep in mind. This is just a south course, just because we're playing 54 holes on the south course. Tour average for fairways and regulation is about 60%. Uh, on the south course, it's only 52.5%. Uh, greens and regulation, not a ton different, only about 1% one, one, 1% less at um, the south course. Um Three-putt percentage is definitely worth mentioning. Uh, the average on the south course is about 14%, whereas the tour average is only 9.3%. So once it gets towards the end of the day and those POA greens start to get bumpy, uh, those seven, eight-footers become become very hard. Uh, I think that's also on that note. Typically, the tour makes eight-footers about 50% clip, and it's uh, substantially lower this week because of those POA greens. Um, trying to see if I see any other stats that are really jarring. Nothing really else on differentiators between, between the um, tour average and the south course. Do you have the odds board right there by chance? Even though this, uh, this may be completely pointless because uh, the last... The three winners this year have been like plus 200, plus 300, 301, 201, 201, I think, something like that. I do have it pulled up here. Um, coming in at the fav- as the favorite this week, we've got Xander, Xander Shoffley at 9-1. to one. Right behind him is his buddy Patrick Cantlay as well as Colin Morikawa. They sit at 11-1. to one. At 12-1, to one, we've got Max Homa. At twenty to one, we have both Minwoo Lee and Ludwig Eber, Ober, Ober, Eberg. Uh, at twenty-two, we've got Sungjae, and at twenty-five, we have both Tony Finau and Jason Day. And I will round it out here at thirty to one with Sahith Thagala. And there is a reason why I round it out here, and that reason being is I like Sahith Thagala this week. I'm starting to think that just every week Sahith Thagala plays, you're going to say you like him. I just I like his game. I think he's he's just he's on par, no pun intended, to have a strong strong weekend. And I'm thinking I don't know if I'm saying necessarily that I want him for an outright win, but I I I could see him having a a nice week, a nice little bounce back, bounce back after missing the cut at the Sony. Absolutely. Um a name that that you did not get to that. I, I feel like uh, I want to mention um, Michael Kim. He he quite literally went to high school at Torrey Pines High School, so I feel like there ha- there simply has to be a connection. He's had to have played this golf course a ton of times. Uh, he just finished in the top ten this past week after maybe a little bit of a sluggish start to the year. Uh, so I really like 
Michael Kim this week. And I don't know necessarily if that's an outright or if that is see what the numbers look like for but at a at 110 to one for outright. I imagine his his finishing position numbers are are really good. So that is a name that I just I had to had to mention. Something to uh, keep in mind for Michael Kim is he might be coming in with a little chip on his shoulder this weekend too. I don't know if you saw his tweet about the tour, uh, but they like they tweeted about current tour players who have connections to the area <laughs> and left him out as being someone who went to high school at Torrey Pines <laughs> High School, and he he just like he I can't remember what he tweeted, but his hashtag was play better, and so he's he's got a little chip on his shoulder this week. No respect. No respect for no the respect. tour. For, didn't for he, didn't he just get confused for Siwoo? Like just within the last, I feel like it was just within the last few months. He, he Probably. Yeah, probably. But uh, most electric follow on Twitter, his, his uh, golf content on Twitter is great. Um, I have two more, two more names I'm going to sneak in really quick uh, that I, that I like this week. The first one is Nikolai Hoygaard played well. Uh, or has been playing well on the European tour, finished off a strong fall with a win at the DP World Championship, and then obviously with the top 10 last week at the Hero Dubai. I like him this week. I also really like Minwoo Lee. He has been playing very well um, from last fall, continuing on to the spring, played well at the American Express, and he is actually sitting at number one, on the course fit adjustment for data golf. So his total strokes gained prediction for this week is the highest amongst any players. So I like Minwoo. Yeah. uh, It's worth mentioning with Minwoo uh, that T 21st was his second worst finish in the last six months. So he has been on an absolute tear. Um, Also worth mentioning kind of like a, um, a very um, subtle is not the right word. Um, but uh, oh, maybe specific stat would be the right word. Uh, ball speed. He has the highest ball speed in the entire field. This rough is is thick, very very thick. Uh, if you can get the ball out quickly, that is a huge benefit. Um, he hits the country mile, so when the course is seventy seven hundred yards long, par seventy two, he will be able to hopefully take advantage of those longer holes. Um, they were also looking at. Some of the research I was doing, the one one seventy five to two two twenty five approach shot is super important here, just with the long part of threes and then the the length of the south course. He's not he wasn't great in that category, but he also wasn't losing. I think he was only losing like a point like one shots, something like that. So maybe something to look at. But just with his with how strong he's coming into this, I feel like you have to kind of kind of somebody you. you, you be silly not to at least look at. Uh, Max Homa is a guy. I mean, he just won here last year. Um, I think it's kind of hard to be remiss if you if you were playing in California. You didn't mention Max Homa at this point. Um, would seems like he's been a great fit since the Premier's Day he got last couple of years in California. Xander Shoffley, obviously leading the odds board, but that's a name that makes a ton of sense here. He's native to California. So obviously has ties. And I think a, I think a very important thing here is who can putt on Poa. I don't think Poa is, is just from everything I've heard is just brutal. So you really have got to make a lot of, be able to make a lot of putts on these very difficult greens. Anybody else that's kind of standing out 
Um, no, I'll say that uh, Data Golf is giving Xander the best percent chance to win this week as well, coming in at 9.4% chance to win. So that makes sense. Uh, I didn't see a ton of discrepancy between who Data Golf is giving the best odds to win versus the odds board, which is different than some weeks. Some weeks there are some discrepancies. So we try to call those out. But this week it looks like it's staying pretty true, true to form. Nice. All right. Well, we will. Uh, I don't mind. I love us. I love a Wednesday through Saturday. This is another nighttime event. Um, so this will be on from. Let me see if I can quickly find that. I imagine it's probably four p.m. to nine, maybe. So it looks like. Yeah, three to seven. Three to seven on the Golf Channel. Uh, Wednesday and. Thursday and then on Golf Channel from three to five on Saturday, followed by CBS from five to eight, and that is also uh, Saturday is two p.m. to four p.m. and then four p.m. to eight p.m. to finish out the the Sunday round on CBS. So get a little bit of golf in before the football. Yep, get you nice and primed for some uh, Lions football, baby. Yeah, that's crazy. Hard to even hard to even say out loud. One of the four main teams in the NFL. What a world. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Hard to believe. Yep. All right. Uh we are going to we're gonna save so I was quickly I got invited on a last second golf trip um next weekend. So we're playing like uh Congaree, which is a just post a tour event uh last couple of years. So we're playing there and then um Country Club of Charleston, which should be awesome. That's a top um top 15 course in the state. And then we're just, we just hopefully just got another top five, top 10 course in the state of South Carolina. So I'm excited about that. So we'll do a little preview once I know a little more next week, but uh, to finish out the episode, we have some changes to the USJ handicap system. Uh, Three, three main changes. Uh, The first one being a lower minimum length for golf course to obtain course rating and slope rating. Uh, currently, an 18-hole course has to be at least 3,000 yards long, and a 9-hole course has to be 1,500 yards long to receive a rating, uh, course rating and slope rating. Now, starting in 2024, the yardage requirements are cut in half. 18-hole golf courses have to be 1,500 yards and 9-hole only 750. Uh, it's great news for just more, more inclusivity, I guess. Uh, more nine-hole courses that will be able to be rated so you can have a handicap on those golf courses. Grow the game, grow the game, grow the game, grow the game. And I think we are going, I mean, these nine-hole courses, par three courses have become more and more popular. Um, so if there's a way to to properly rate them, give them a handicap, I think that's awesome. Second change, uh, which I think is, is probably the one that affects uh, Brad and I the most, uh, nine-hole scores, or concurrently, nine-hole scores are combined in order posted to create an 18-hole score differential. That means the nine-hole score shot today can be combined with a nine-hole score shot sometime next week, uh, and that makes an 18-hole score uh, can definitely lead to some pretty volatile results when it's all said and done, just between days and, and conditions and all that good stuff. So now, beginning in 2024, when a player posts a nine-hole score, it will be combined with their expected score differential over nine holes to create an 18-hole score differential for immediate use with expected score 
based on the player's handicap index at the time the round is played as well as the course uh, of standard difficulty. So that seems like that's a no-brainer. Should Probably should have been done a long time ago. I feel like there's a lot of times where you only have time for nine holes. And yep. it can be a really nice night that night. And then you go play the next day and it's, it's raining and hailing and you just never know. So I think that's that's absolutely a good thing. And then the final one, which I... Um, which definitely seems like a good thing, and there there was never really a good way of doing this prior to to uh, this rule. There's an update approach to holes that were not played. So currently, uh, if you were not to finish, if you played at least 13 holes and you did not finish uh, one of those last that five holes, yeah, five holes, uh, it would essentially just take your net score on the hole. So if you're a five handicap and one of the last five holes was five or below handicap, you would take a bogey on that hole and take a par on the rest of the holes. Uh, now they have changed it. So when you play 10 through 17 holes, an 18 hole score differential will determine, will be determined by adding the player's score differential from the holes played to an expected score differential for the number of holes not played. Since a player's expected score is not specific to a course or relying upon the course Course stroke index allocation as net par is today. This will lead to more consistency. So I would say all three of those things seem pretty darn good. No complaints. Yeah, no complaints here. The nine hole one makes a ton of sense. I always thought it was super weird that you could combine nine hole scores. I've had it combine nine hole scores from different states where I played nine holes in Colorado and then nine holes in Michigan and it like combined. And so... Yeah, that one makes a ton of sense. The partial 10 to 17 scoring makes a ton of sense too. There's been a lot of times where I'm playing at night after work and I just play as many holes as I can get through. And then once it gets dark, I leave, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, no complaints here for, for any of them. Yeah, that that last, the the third rule, there are a lot of times where I'm just playing like total garbage, several several over par. And then just with my handicap, like I just, I just, make pars coming I just make pars coming in which definitely not uh very realistic when it's all said and done so no I think uh I think those are three good changes I'm I'm especially happy for the first one um I do think whether it be nine hole courses or even this would really affect the third one but like 12 hole courses I think are becoming more and more popular so I guess whatever gets people out on the golf course and playing in a fair and fun manner that's Good for good for golf. And whatever way gets more people to pay for memberships to the USGA. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Any, All right. Any uh anything else that you can think of? No, I think that, that wraps it up for me. Awesome. Well, good luck with your uh with your picks at the Farmers Insurance Open Saturday through or rather Wednesday through Saturday, and we will see you guys next Tuesday. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. See ya.